Alrighty, well, at Trinity, we're on a journey. We're going through the whole Gospel of Luke on our way to Easter. And it began last week with Pastor Mary, and we're continuing on that journey today. And I wasn't here last week, so I'm not sure if Mary said a whole lot about the Gospel of Luke, but I read a lot about the Gospel of Luke in the last few weeks. So I thought I'd share a little bit of information about the Gospel of Luke with you all. Um, Luke was most likely a Gentile Christian, at least that's what modern scholars think, probably lived in Antioch in Syria, which is just north of Jerusalem, maybe 100 miles north of there. He was, being a Gentile means pagan, so he didn't grow up Jewish. And he was a masterful Greek writer, actually. Um, scholars think that the first four verses of the Gospel of Luke, when he's talking about writing this Gospel to Theophilus, that takes on more the form of classical Greek, He could have written this whole thing in classical Greek, but he didn't. Um, Also, in the Gospel of Luke, 80% of it comes from the Gospel of Mark, actually. And then there are certain episodes where he expands on what Mark already wrote or added in some new details. And that's one of the stories that we're seeing today. It's Luke chapter 4, and he takes his own perspective and kind of adds a little bit into it. Luke's probably writing to Gentile Christians, too. People probably a lot like us probably a lot like us. So that's what we're getting into, Gospel of Luke. And today I have two scripture readings for us. One is from 2 Kings chapter 5, and the other is Luke chapter 4. 2 Kings is an interesting story. I may pause as I read a couple pieces of it, but I'm reading it because Jesus talks about this story in Luke chapter 4. So to help give it a little bit more context for you all as you hear it in Luke chapter 4, I figured I would read this story as well for you. And also, while we're on this journey through the Gospel of Luke, Mary and I are going to try to continue to bring out Old Testament passages because one of the major narratives in the Gospel of Luke is how Jesus is fulfillment of Old Testament longings. He is fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture. And this is one of those passages in which we see that. So this is 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Listen to God's Word. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now in the Hebrew text, leprosy is just a generic word for skin disease. It doesn't mean a very specific one, but a generic word. Now the Arameans on One of their raids, they took a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. And this servant, she said to her mistress, If only my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. Are you tracking? Did I all track you? That's kind of interesting. They took captive a person from Israel. She's serving Naaman's wife. She says, go to Israel so you'll be cured of your leprosy. So he talks to his king. The king says, good, go. I'll send you to Israel. So Naaman goes. He went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, 
Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. For some reason, Naaman's appearance is like uh, the king of Israel is scared that this means war, basically, that this commander of this army is showing up. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he surely would have come out and stand and call on the name of his Lord God and would have wove his hand over the spot and cured the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in rage. But his servants approached him and said, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the word of the man of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. And then he returned to that man of God, Elisha, and he said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now the second scripture reading, if you can, it's Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. Listen to God's word again. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing it. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, isn't this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in a prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath and Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, they drove Jesus out of the town, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might throw him off the cliff. 
but he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope you all had a good Christmas break. At least I just feel like I got back from Christmas break. I know that was a reality for people last week, but (laughs) I hope you all had a great Christmas break. And I had a great Christmas break, actually. I got to spend time with family and friends. I was looking forward to this Christmas break, actually, for a whole year. Uh, (laughs) Not because of anything going on here, but just because the new Star Wars movie came out over Christmas break. (laughs) And so... I'd had that on my calendar for about 12 months, and I really, really, really couldn't wait to see it. I also made this kind of silly decision sometime in the summer when I was spending time with my father that we would make a pact to wait and watch it with each other. So I think the movie came out on December 18th, and I didn't get to see my dad until December 28th. I had to wait a whole 10 days to watch this movie that I'd been waiting for for a whole year. And in the stretch of that time, it's like, God gave me five to ten opportunities to go see this movie easily. (laughs) Honestly, the day before Christmas Eve, somebody from our church called the office, asked for Pastor Kurt, and I was like, oh, that's always interesting when I actually get a real phone call on a phone in my office, (laughs) not my cell phone or an email. I said, I wonder what this is going to be about. And it was somebody that said, hey, you know what? I have two extra tickets to go see the new Star Wars movie tonight. (laughs) And I thought... No, like, trust me, I really want to go, but I promised my dad I would wait to see it till I got there to see it with him. And then the first few days of Christmas, I was with my wife's family, and of course, we're all sitting around. It's pouring rain in Seattle. There's nothing to do, you know? What else do you do but go see a movie, right? And so they all thought, let's go see the new Star Wars movie. And I was like, I can't, I can't go. You know, and then I finally got to see it, and it was good. It was fun. And you're probably wondering, why in the world am I even talking about this, right? Why am I talking about Star Wars movies? But, and this is going to sound maybe a bit strange to you all, but the Star Wars movies are a part of my faith journey. They have been a part of my faith journey. I didn't grow up going to church, and so there's something about that story in the mythology of Star Wars that helped provide a wider sense of rationality for belief in my life. And I mean that. That's genuine. I'm not making that up. That's real. When I was a little kid, I would watch that movie all the time with my dad. We didn't go to church. We didn't didn't believe in Jesus Christ. We didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in God. But I so wanted to believe that there was more out there in the world than just what I could sense, what I could see, taste, touch, or feel, that I, I wanted to believe in something like that. For those of you who haven't seen the movies, Star Wars is about this thing called the Force, what I just described, this thing that exists beyond our sensory experiences. So, And also, just for fun, I figured we could watch a minute of some Star Wars movies, so we're going to watch a little video clip now, okay? This is the Force, all right? Pay attention to it. The first is a part from the first movie. It's like 20 seconds, and then it's 30 seconds from the new movie. It's from a trailer, so there's no spoilers. I'm not going to ruin it for anyone, okay? So let's watch this one minute. Use the force, Luke. 
Let go. The force is strong in this week. Luke, trust me. There are stories about what happened. It's true. Clearly, they're not real. But don't you want to believe that it's real? I mean, when you're watching that, you're like, yes, they're real. They're not real, though, right? I mean, this is fantasy. This is science fiction. But you want to believe that it's real. And I think as a little kid, when you harness that reality of, oh, you want that to believe that that's real. I mean, that's what that film installed, instilled in me. It left a space in my heart so that when I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, I could believe that Jesus was real and that we could really know Jesus. And when I was surrounded like a great witnesses in this room of people that believed in Jesus Christ, I thought, okay, that's real. Those people are really believing in something that's real. I want that. I want to get to know that. Jesus is real. But sometimes it can be hard to trust and believe in Jesus, right? It can be difficult to know Jesus. I think it can be hard. I think a lot of us, I've had so many conversations with people in my life that want to talk about, I just believe in God, or I want to believe in a higher power. I talk about coincidence or providence, things that just seem to work out right every once in a while. But Jesus, I don't know. There's something that's a little bit harder about that. There's a wrestling that goes on when we talk about knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is all about these scriptures. It's what this is all about, this wrestling, this struggle to know Jesus, not just some historical figure that stood up and talked and wrote and shared about what God was doing, but to really know Jesus. That's the wrestling of these texts. In Luke chapter 4, this is Jesus' first public ministry. This is Jesus Awakens. The new Star Wars movie was The Force Awakens. This is Jesus awakening his public ministry. He's in his hometown of Nazareth, and during Sabbath, he's handed this scroll from Isaiah, and he reads this incredible passage from Isaiah. He talks about how the Spirit of God is upon him, and he has been sent to give sight to the blind, to give freedom to the oppressed, to preach good news to the poor. And at first, the Nazareans, they like it. They like what they're hearing. They say, okay, this is a good thing. I like it. I like what I'm hearing. But then he says, it's fulfilled in your hearing today because this is about me. And that leads to a bit of confusion because they think, wait, this is Joseph's son. This who? This guy? This is the guy that's been growing up here? He's the one that's fulfilled in this scripture reading? That confusion leads to the rejection of Jesus. The Nazareans, they reject him. They kick him out of town. They want to throw him off the cliff. But that rejection, I think, is actually good news for us. 
That rejection at Nazareth, I think, is actually really good news for you and I. See, we're not Nazareans. We're not from the town of Nazareth. We're not from Jesus' hometown. We're more like Naaman than we are like somebody from Nazareth. See, Naaman is that leader from that army in Syria. He has leprosy. And he hears about a prophet in Israel, and that prophet could bring him healing. So when he shows up in Israel, he goes to see the prophet Elisha. But Elisha doesn't even talk to him. Elisha sends a messenger out to him and says, you go to the Jordan River, and there you will get healing. And this is what I think is interesting in the Second Kings passage to me, is that Naaman goes, but why did I come all this way just to go get into a river? There's better rivers in Damascus. There's Abana and Farpar. I could have just washed in there and then been clean. As if I could have been healed there. Why did I come all this way? Regardless, his friends tell him, go, get in the river. We came all this way. Wash and be clean. Wash and be clean. I think those rivers are fascinating to think about metaphorically. In life right now, this is that time of the year where I'm just bombarded with advertisements about what other people want my life to be about, about bringing healing for me, about ads like weight loss, happiness, etc., filling my life with other stuff that I should be consuming to be healed, to be set on a right path for 2016. Seeing those things are probably fine in and of themselves. That's fine. But there's something about the River Jordan and the proximity of the prophet nearby that brings a real healing to Naaman. See, he gets to know God in and through his healing at the River Jordan. And when we see things like good news bring brought to the poor, release to the prisoner, sight to the blind, the oppressed going free, it's not just to say, yes, that's a good thing. But yes, that's also a good thing because we know that Jesus is nearby when that is happening. Those things are the work of God in Jesus Christ, and they help us know Jesus. They help us really know Jesus and feel that sense of meaning and healing that comes only from him. I mentioned earlier that I didn't grow up a Christian, and that's true, I didn't grow up going to church. And so I didn't have a lot of family conversations about what it meant to be a Christian or to follow God, but my grandfather is actually a Christian, And so when he heard I was a Christian when I was about 20 years old, he talked to me about it, and we shared stories about how we saw God show up in our life. And that was actually a great joy to me because sometimes when you find out, you know, you love God, you just want to share it with other people and other people that just kind of get it. And it was really cool to be able to talk to my grandfather about it. And we've always kind of had this special bond because we can talk about those things. My grandfather, last week, I got a phone call from my mom, and he had had a stroke, um... He'd had a few others before, but this one was a little bit more serious. And uh, as I was talking to my mom on the phone about it, she was just on her way to go see him. And I just said, Mom, when you get there, will you just tell Grandpa I'm praying for him? Will you just let him know? She said, yes, I will. So the next day I got to talk to my mom, and she described her going to see Grandpa. He's in the hospital, and The stroke has impaired his speech. He's having a hard time communicating and talking. And things are just not going so great. But then my mom told him that I was praying for him. And he just began to weep in tears. 
and my mom started to cry too. It was this moment in which I think my grandfather really knew that Jesus was with him. He really knew the presence of God and Jesus Christ was right there with him in the hospital. Even if he was struggling to communicate, even if he had the incredible talents and gifts of other people that were there to help him to get set on a right path of recovery for 2016, those rivers that could heal him, it was ultimately the presence of Jesus Christ that was right there with him, freeing him from inside in a way that nothing else could. I think that's what these scriptures are about for us, knowing Jesus. That's why we're on this journey through the Gospel of Luke all the way to Easter, because we want to know Jesus. We want to know his presence and his proximity and grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what these texts are about. That's what our journey is about right now, too. That's where we're going in 2016. Will you pray with me? Gracious, loving Father God, we thank you for you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for the healing of the rivers Jordan. Not just the river and the healing that we get, but the proximity of your prophet, your son, Jesus Christ, who provides salvation and healing in a way that nothing else can. And we are so thankful for that. So God, will you be with us now as we continue to worship you and all through this service. We love you, God. We lift this up to you in prayer. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.